Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Shaka Cummings, Parker Ainsworth, FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. Parker, how are you, sir? Doing well, Shaka. How you doing? We are going to be home for a very, very, very long time. When <laughs> Folks, when we say that we are teachers, we truly are. And our schools are both shut down. Uh, COVID-19, coronavirus, will have us at home for quite a bit. It really does. It's we're at home. We'll still be teaching digitally, but we're at home for a couple weeks. Um, and while that it, teaching it from home is difficult. It also means more time to podcast, I guess, huh? That's right. Um, now, if there were more sports, we could probably help out some great content. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if um, only. So let's start with our gold stars and detentions for the week. Parker, what do you have for us? Uh, I've got two gold stars this week. Um, one is to Mark Cuban. For anyone anyone who knows me knows I've actually hated Mark Cuban for a really long time. So it takes a lot of like <laughs> pride swallowing from both a Rockets fan and a humanitarian for me to be like, oh, I give Mark Cuban a gold star. But he was kind of at the front of this owners picking up the pieces around paying hourly workers and things and keeping money circulating just because they you know, canceled on postponed NBA games doesn't mean that those people don't need that cash. Um, he also did a cool thing here in Dallas where he has said he would reimburse any of those same workers if they could show him meal or uh, coffee or whatever receipts for local establishments. And so like 
trying to keep them going to local places, shopping local, keeping the economy going a little bit while we're all social distancing. Uh, and so that was a really cool thing by him that as much as I don't like him, I have to give him his props. Um, he, he has other things worth noting, but I, those are both stick out to me. Uh, my other gold star is a much quicker bit about uh, for Shams. Uh, anyone who follows Shams on NBA Twitter knows who I'm talking about, but um, he pushed pushed out uh, when Christian Wood got diagnosed with COVID nineteen yesterday, or tested positive, I should say. Um, he pushed out a report that, or like a tweet, it was used all two hundred eighty characters to tell us both that he did have COVID nineteen. Uh, Christian Wood did, and he had played Rudy Gobert on Saturday, whatever that was, um, and then he also put up the stat line he had against Rudy Gobert, and he kind of destroyed him, <laughs> and, and I, I appreciate it, and I want to give a gold star to the subtle but not subtle shot at Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Who are your gold stars? Um, yeah, uh, Rudy got worked, because it was like 30 and 15 or something, I mean, it was nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I don't... Was his- career high was that i was like oh god <laughs> you know what since you did two gold stars i'm not gonna do any i'm gonna do detentions i'm gonna do two detentions the first <laughs> detention is the ncaa because it just came out today we're taping this pod on sunday that there have been this conversation post cancellation of the ncaa basketball tournament that they ncaa might release the bracket and it's come out now that they're not going to do that and I'm sure that they have reasons in their mind for not releasing the bracket. I think it would have been cool if they would have just gone with the gone ahead with the exercise and released the 68 teams. And <laughs> we could have had a little bit of conversation around that. So it makes me feel like the NCAA just really doesn't care about folks who are trying to produce content around sports because that obviously could have given us something. You guys are jerks. Right. I hate you, Mark Emmer. <laughs> um, my, second, my second detention, and follow me here because – this is a sports podcast. We are teachers, however, at heart. Anybody who is going to go on social media over the next few weeks and complain about teachers and content delivery in this digital space around this COVID-19, you're getting a detention. And I'm going to call you out on social media, too. So don't let me find you posting <laughs> stuff on Facebook like you're an idiot, because I promise you I will call you out. So um, <laughs> oh, you're giving out detentions. I'm thinking that's that's a you know, work crew or in-school <laughs> suspension. That could get worse. That's what I'm fast. saying. Expulsion from whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we're, we're working through knowing that there haven't been a ton of sports this week. We want to talk a little bit about the folks who have been interacting with the pod, so we're definitely going to take attendance. We're going to talk NBA as well, talking about maybe the worst season in NBA history to this point. So, uh, Parker, without further ado, are you ready to go? Ready when you are, Shaq. All right, Shaka. Time for a first thesis. The first thesis is, is the 2019-2020 season the worst in NBA history? What's your grade? So I've been trying to do research in order to not make this an A, and I can't come to any other grade beside an A for that thesis statement based on all the research that I've done. What are your thoughts? Right now, I'm at a C minus. I also like am still doing research trying to see because it's you got to remember we're at 74 years of the NBA and worst is a really ambiguous word. So I'm I'm looking into some stuff, but right now I'm at a C minus. 
All right, Shaka. So you gave the thesis an A. What made you give it an A? So 2019, 2020, if we go all the way back to all of the different pieces that are involved in this season, I don't know that I've seen a I, I don't know I've seen a collection of issues in any one NBA season that have been quite like this one. So we can start with your boy, Daryl Morey, at the beginning of the season, the Hong Kong comments that he made, the impact that <laughs> that boy. had. <laughs> Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey, Parker Ainsworth, Houston Rockets Homer. So it's definitely your boy then. <laughs> loud and proud, um, loud and proud. <laughs> um, but those comments and the impact that they had on – the preseason basketball games were scheduled to go off in China, the NBA's relationship with China, where they're still, and I get that now the NBA's canceled or postponed its season due to coronavirus, but up until that postponement, there still were not NBA games regularly on television in China. So the impact that those comments had were far-reaching into the season. And if it was just something like that, that might even be worth considering um, – with the revenue that it generates. But then you start moving forward. You start looking at the low ratings for the NBA season to start with the NBA. Listen, they planned on Zion Williamson coming in, lighting up the world. They planned on Golden State being solid to start the season. They planned on at least Kyrie Irving playing for the Brooklyn Nets. With the injuries that hit at the beginning of the season and those games of uh, of New Orleans and Golden State and Brooklyn that had been placed in prime time, the ratings obviously took a hit because you didn't have those primetime talents to be able to carry the games that were in primetime slots. So then you have your ratings hit at the beginning of the season. You have the fact that LeBron is in L.A. I mean, this is something that the NBA has obviously had a couple of years to deal with. When he's in L.A., it's difficult to put home games for the Lakers in prime time simply because those games start 7, 30, 8 o'clock West Coast time, which is not prime time on the East Coast. And when we talk prime time, we tend to think East Coast times, right? So the fact that the NBA still has to deal with the LeBron piece, um, Kobe Bryant's tragic death in a helicopter accident, the death of David Stern, uh, commissioned, longtime commissioner uh, in the NBA, all of these things happened this season. And then to get to the point where COVID-19 has forced the NBA to postpone this season. And we don't know what's going to happen with the season. I mean, the assumption is, is that eventually things turn around and the season comes back. Uh, but right now we're in a standstill. We're in a holding pattern and folks don't have a ton of information. So this postponement just feels like, I mean, just really a punch in the gut for NBA fans. And that doesn't even get into the craziness that is the NBA refs and how sucky they've been. That doesn't even get into <laughs> James Dolan and how uh, that Spike Lee foolishness brought negative vibes to the NBA. So, I mean, you got the death by a thousand cuts, little stuff, as well as these huge overarching pieces. And so that's why that thesis, at least in my lifetime, I could not find a season. I couldn't think of a season that was worse. And then as I started doing research, I couldn't find one that to me was worse. So that, that thesis statement felt like an A. Now you gave it a C minus. You said you're still kind of looking at some different pieces, but I'm curious as to why you started so low. I guess I start low um, because I think it needs to be like qualified and discussed like what, from what angle is it so bad? Because I agree that all of these off the floor things, you brought up four major 
things that have happened off the floor, um, all of them tend to make me want to say, oh my God, it's been a horrible year, right? I mean, as a Rockets person, the Daryl Morey thing, you know, as I joke about it, like we there were, we were sitting there like, holy crap, they're going to get rid of the coach and the GM before the season when like Houston's got a potential to make a run here. We got James Harden in the roster. We had Russell Westbrook. Like we could really make a run here. And then while the Rockets may not have won as many games we thought, uh, they certainly that could have worked out a lot worse. David Stern is a icon, and he dies at least in a hospital, but it is somewhat quick as far as it felt sudden because no one anticipated him being hospitalized so suddenly. I guess he was in a hospital about a month, but before he got to the hospital, he was seen to be in good health. Yeah, folks had actually talked about having meetings and stuff with him prior to his hospitalization. Kobe Bryant's death was tragic and sudden. Um, There's other elements of that too, such as the other families and his own daughter and, you know, and... We all enjoyed Kobe, regardless of what you thought about him before retirement, Kobe post-retirement and in retirement was so much fun as such a great person for the game. Um, you've got this coronavirus outbreak right now and what that's done to the stadium being shut down and how it's going to hurt the NBA's economy and things like that. I agree that all of those things are very bad for the NBA. I think that the statement needs to have some piece of it that says the worst in the NBA history off of the floor or the worst in the NBA history because of all these extraneous variables. Um, I I just disagree in some ways because I actually feel like as far as the on the floor product, this is as good as, you know, call me a millennial, but this is as good as it's been. You've got <laughs> high scoring games. You've got a bunch of team. You don't have NBA finals favorites, right? Uh, you don't have the Warriors the last five years where it's like you can chalk them up into, into the NBA finals or the Heat for the four years they were in the finals before that, or the Spurs. I mean, as, as great as the Spurs are to watch because they are great fundamental basketball, it wasn't particularly exciting. They just fundamentally won a lot of games over a 20-year period, right? There's there's certainly there's none of that. All these teams are new and exciting. The basketball itself is fun. Um, you could go back and talk about, like, fun seasons, but you could also go back and talk about, like, the Pistons beating the Celtics 66 to 64 in a playoff game, like in an Eastern conference playoff game. That is, that is like a very normal halftime score in NBA. Now, like this is a much more exciting product on the floor. You've got Giannis, I would argue is, you know, head and shoulders above in the MVP race, having a phenomenal season at 25. You've got all of these young superstars, Luca and Trey and John Morant's kind of coming into his own. Zion is an athlete unlike things we've ever seen before. Like, the NBA's product on the floor, I'd actually argue, is demonstrably as good as it's been. And it, it I would say that it's not anywhere near discussed. You can't talk about it being anywhere near the worst in NBA history. If you did qualify that statement to be off the floor or something like that, then I start looking to see in the history of basketball, can you go back and find other things? It's hard to find a singular season with all of those kinds of things happening. Um, you can certainly look at eras. You and I talked about the 70s and tape delay stuff. Uh, you, you'd you say that that is a bad time in the NBA as well, right? Uh, definitely in terms of uh, television revenue and just, I would imagine, overall fan interest. The fact that the games are tape delay tells you that it's probably not as national a sport as it is now, right? I mean, that's what I would envision 
if you're agree, able yeah. to hate delay the finals. Completely. I, I would also think that, like, there was this stigma around, for whatever motive you want to put on it, there was this stigma that the NBA was a bunch of drug addicts playing basketball and partying all night and, and those kinds of things in the in the 70s. And, you know, that while there's not, like, a singular season I can think of... You know, when I think about individual moments that would be bad for the NBA or bad for a season, I, I can think of, like, in 1986, you had a, the untimely death of Lynn Bias, and it was sad for a lot of reasons, and partially because it's just anyone's death, but he's young, and he's going to be the face of basketball, and he's, you know, better than Mike, and, and so on and so forth, and he's going to the Celtics, this storied franchise, and he passes away really suddenly, um, two days after the draft, right, or whatever it was, and... I got to be honest, I was born in 91. I can't put myself in those shoes um, and relate, try and relate it to the current state of the NBA. You know, what what would you say that moment, how would you say that moment compares to the current moments of the NBA? Yeah, the death of Len Bias was huge for basketball fans. Now, keep in mind, I, I was all of six years old, so I wasn't. I wasn't trying to make you, you know, sound old. No, no worries. <laughs> but I, I just want folks to know, like, my perspective on the death of Len Bias really comes from my two older brothers and how they talked about it. My older brothers are 10 years older than I am. And I can vividly remember them just being distraught because Len Bias was going to come in and he was the next guy and he was going to be a stud. And so the fact that drugs took him away from basketball fans – as a fan, there was a heartbreak. And then I grew up in Harlem, so I grew up in a place where the drug ec- epidemic was very much front and center. And so right. for my family to see another young black man taken away because of drugs, there was a whole piece that went along with that as well, especially someone who had as much promise, who had as much to look forward to in life as Len Bias. Right. So not to get too deep, because um, you know we still are a sports pod, if you go back to just the 86 draft, that draft was a full of a lot of guys who sucked. So, like, that was one of the years that I looked at, and I was like, okay, this draft, could that be a year that just because of the draft we look back and say, okay, that season, not a good season for the NBA. Uh, Brad Darty's the first pick of that draft. I honestly think that Brad Darty's underrated because I remember Patrick Ewing having battles with him. And Cleveland was pretty solid. They were one of the teams that gave Chicago a run for its money. And folks now, I mean, think about that iconic shot of Jordan hitting the jumper over Craig Elo. Craig Elo. I'm not sure if he got kicked in the face, but it looks like he gets kicked in the face by Michael Jordan (laughs) on the celebration. Craig Elo. (laughs) Um. Absolutely. Um, So I think that Brad Darty gets underrated, but uh, he's drafted in the 86 draft, along with Mark Price. So, like, at least for Cleveland, 86 is a great draft, right? But um, <laughs> there's just guys who never panned out. Chris Washburn, if I say that name, I don't think most people even know who that is. Uh, Willie Bedford, Roy Tarpley. Roy Tarpley had immense talent, and he was another guy. Drugs kept pulling him away from the league. Eventually, he got kicked out of the league because of drugs, and then he came back. He ended up playing for the Mavericks, I want to say, in the – early, maybe mid-90s. He eventually worked his way back into the league. But there were just a bunch of guys who, at the top of that draft in the lottery, they were supposed to be, you know, great players. And then just turned out they weren't all that they were cracked up to be. 
Um, just looking at this draft, there's some names, but like if I say Ron Harper, if I say John Sally, if I say John Williams, people might not remember John Williams. He was the center uh, at LSU. He's a big dude. Um, like physically, he was a big guy. Uh, and then there's guys that definitely didn't hit, like Walter Barry, Mo Martin. Like this is some it's, of these guys that never hit. It's um, interesting looking at this draft, like. You got Del Curry, who is, t- if you're looking at the 86 draft, is like a way to make that a bad year. Del Curry's biggest impact in basketball is his children. Um, <laughs> Del got, Curry was a shooter, boy. Like, Del Curry did have game, but you're But right, he was like, a he specialist. Was, yeah, he was, he was very much right? that. He was not and a so, talent. Right. He was at a time when every team that was any good had, like, one guy that was like a 6'1", pure shooter. He was that, right? He was that dude, yes. Um. You have Mark Price to start the second round. Uh, a guy from a school, Southeastern Oklahoma State, named Dennis Rodman. He ends up having a pretty good career, but he's a second rounder. He's probably the best player in that draft. Like, if you go back and yeah. you look, like, it's... And, he, and he's a second rounder because he goes to Southeastern Oklahoma State University. He's one of Dallas's finest, but he's... Southeastern Oklahoma State does not have a whole lot of fine ones. Um, <laughs> Arvita Sabonis is an interesting one because he's drafted in this draft at the, you know, at age 21... He doesn't play in the NBA until the age of 31 in the mid-90s for a ver- variety of reasons. Um, but he actually ends up putting together a pretty good career considering it starts at age 31. And considering when he got to the U.S., he was a shell of what he was because exactly. injuries had gotten to him between his lower body and his back. I mean, people will say this all the time. If the NBA would have gotten a healthy Arvidas Sabonis, he would have been transcendent for European basketball. Right. And so maybe that's a big miss of the draft as well. And maybe that makes 86 also not a great year. We we missed out on the best talent of that year in a lot of ways, you know. Um, I don't know. Does does that make it a worse year than we're currently living in for basketball? I, I don't know. The on-the-floor talent in 86, kind of similar to this one, you had Larry and a great Celtics team. You had Magic and the Showtime Lakers. You had Jordan in the dunk contest and stuff like that. I mean... You did have some good things happening on the floor, kind of like you do this year, right? Yeah, what I would say is that uh, 86, the 80, if whichever season you want to put the draft with, if you want to say 85, 86, or if you want to say 86, 87, what you have in that period is the emergence of some great teams that are on the horizon between uh, Chicago, who's coming up, between the bad boy Pistons, who are going to come up and they're going to start to uh, really establish themselves. They, they get on their championship run. You have some great teams in the Celtics and the Lakers. And, oh, by the way, your Houston Rockets weren't half bad in the mid-'80s either. Twin Towers, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so uh, there were just there were teams in terms of what was happening on the floor. And then you had some individual players, too, because Clyde the Glod, you had Dominique Wilkins, human highlight reel. So, I mean, you had some got Tom Chambers, who, again, history forgets Tom Chambers, who was a bad dude. I remember him clearly, though, in Phoenix, jumping, like, over Mark Jackson <laughs> to throw a dunk down. But, um... To be fair, you've got Giannis jumping over dudes now. They're very comparable years, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the on-the-floor stuff makes me say that, that that any year that you connect to the 86 draft is not going to be worse than this year. So then I go to lockout years, years where we missed games. And so the first year that I go to is 99, where 
we have the end of the 98 uh, season. We lock out or we get locked out. The players get locked out and the lockout runs into the regular season. And so we get to October. We're expecting basketball. There is none. And there's labor tension. Michael Jordan is at the forefront of trying to get a collective bargaining agreement put together for the players. It's, I think it was the worst kept secret in basketball that he wanted to retire after the 98 season, after the shot of a hits over Utah. But he said, I'm not going to retire until this collective bargaining thing is done because he knew that as a player, he had a position of strength and he felt like he helped the players union by not retiring, but still being an active player in those negotiations. Um, so to miss half a season of basketball, maybe you could look at that and say that that season was as bad, if not worse than this one. So if I throw that particular season at you, Parker, um, what, are you, what are you thinking about the 99 season and that uh, lockout shortened season? Could that potentially be worse than this one? Uh, I think it's got potential in the sense that you lose games and that's never good for basketball. I would actually argue that the later lockout, the more recent one, and was that 2012? I guess 2012, yeah, I think it was 2012. Um, that actually, I would say, ended up producing a very fun season that like started on Christmas Day and it kind of went to hyperdrive and every game mattered a lot. Whereas in 99, you missed too many games and they didn't like go into hyperdrive any sorts. And maybe that's less than they learned by 2012. Um, but the lockout in 99 had this cloud over it that we're also losing Michael Jordan in this. Now, I understand it wasn't horribly kept secret or whatever, but it doesn't feel great to have the best player to ever play open up the season with, I'm done. Um, that's not as tragic as the loss of someone's life in the other seasons we've talked about, but it, it certainly does put a damper on basketball. We'd all, you know... Jordan was transcendent in that more than just the city of Chicago or more than just Bulls fans liked him. That, and that's kind of an understatement, if anything. Um, not having him on the floor changes how everyone's watching a lot. Absolutely, especially because the Bulls were the defending champs that year, too, which I think gets lost. That was the second run of three-peats for Chicago. And so to not only lose Michael Jordan in terms of his retirement, you also lost that Chicago Bulls team. You lost that defending championship swagger that that team had going into uh, the 99 season. And so uh, there was there were definitive questions about what the season would look like, who would emerge, who would, who would step up. I would say, and conversely, where like, I would argue that you have to qualify the thesis because this year's on the floor product has been so good. I would argue the 99 one, maybe people like, seeing the basket seeing the ball go off the basket or whatever i you have a nba finals game that is 80 to 67 right like if i told you right now the death lineup warriors put up 80 and a half you're not upset you're like oh no that makes sense that that checks out right steph curry and clay both got hot and they just went off whereas the spurs won a decisively blowout of a game I mean, blowout being by more than 10 points, I guess, but that's a large percentage of the points at that yeah, point. Yeah, I was going to say that game, because, I mean, it was the Spurs versus the Knicks. I'm a Knicks fan, so I know the game. It was a blowout. 
they lost by 13 and they only scored 67. That's a large percentage of the points. Um, <laughs> that That's, you know, I, I, I just think that the on the floor product ends up not being great in 99. So that might put it kind of in this conversation. I don't know if it, it's going to win, but it's in the conversation. What I will say is that I fully recognize that I have jaded perspective on 99 because 99 was the year that the Knicks made the finals and they made the finals as an eight seed. So it was, there've only been, there've been what, two years, three years where the eight seed beat the one seed in the first round of the playoffs. 99 was one of those years where uh, the Knicks drew Miami in the first round. Miami was the one seed. Allen Houston hits a crazy shot at the end of game five that puts the Knicks through. Yeah. And the Knicks, um, Go on. They played Dikembe Mutombo, Steve Smith, and the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> I think they were they a four also, seed. It was a much closer game, but another NBA Finals game was seventy-eight to seventy-seven. That really is a halftime score now. That I mean, yeah, depending upon who's playing, absolutely right. Um, it, the so just to go back to my point of the '99 season, I actually have pretty fond memories of it because <laughs> it really is the last time the Knicks were good. Like for me. The Knicks haven't been the same since. <laughs> Dolan takes over in 99, and the basically everything hits the fan at that point. Uh, but what I will say about the 99 season as well is that we do get the introduction to the basketball world of Tim Duncan because Tim Duncan's a rookie that year. He comes in, and he basically carries that team. Now, don't get me wrong. They had David Robinson. They had uh, – they had uh, Avery Johnson. They had players yeah. on that Spurs team. You're um, right. He does put them over the top, though. He, yeah, I they mean, had players, but he puts them over the top. He's the twin tower next to Robinson. It, he's very much a huge part of it. As a and he's an all-time great. And so we get the real introduction to this all-time great player. Uh, is there any question that Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward that ever lived? I don't think that anyone would really argue that. The only argument I've ever heard is, is Carl that, Malone, right? Well, I was going to say, really, is more... I don't think anyone puts Carl Malone in the same stratosphere. It's more about, did Tim Duncan play too many years at center after the fact? And I don't I don't think it really matters. He can be a great center and the greatest power forward. They don't have to be one or the other, but... No, it's not, it does have to be mutually exclusive. It's the people who... Anyway, I don't want to go too much on a tangent, but people who don't want to count, like, A-Rod's years as a shortstop. And it's like, if you want to say steroids, then say steroids, but A-Rod's the greatest shortstop of all time. I don't care that he got moved to third base. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, the fact that we get introduced to Tim Duncan also makes me think that maybe 99, it doesn't rival this year in terms of all the hits. Now, what I will say about this year, to go back to an argument that you made earlier, Parker, I would say that there are some on-the-floor things that definitively allow this year to enter the conversation. Now, those on-the-floor things are in combination with the -the off-the-floor, so I'm going to start with that sentiment. But I will say that some of the -the on-the-floor things that we've seen between – I mean, the atrocious officiating that we have seen consistently throughout this year with some of it hitting your Rockets firmly on the chin um, with the injuries that yeah, I mentioned earlier, not yeah. getting Zion right away, not – we haven't seen Kevin Durant, so we don't know what he's going to be. We have not seen Clay Thompson. We don't know what he's going to be. That's impacted two teams that we anticipate could have potentially competed for finals if they were healthy in Golden State and Brooklyn. Um, and the Steph Curry injury, I mean, at least you knew Clay Thompson was going to be hurt. Steph breaks his hand in like what the second week of the season or something like that. And all of a sudden you're missing really a marquee guy, right? A top five guy in terms of a draw, 
just on television. And so some of these on-the-floor things as well, I think, have had a tremendous impact on what this season could have been. Now, we've had some great things on the floor as well. Without Zion, you get the emergence of John Morant. Without some of these other guys playing, you get a team like Miami that feels like they come from out of nowhere. You get the Toronto story. Toronto still hanging out in the top two in the Eastern Conference. So maybe some of these teams not being as good as we had anticipated allow some of these other teams to emerge. But there definitively were some on-the-floor things as well in this 2020 season to take into account. Yeah, but things like like injuries happen every year. It's unfortunate when they happen in bunches, but they do, like, you can point to injuries happening year in, year out. Um, also, I think part of the refs thing is we just, we follow it much closer, and we also have much more access to seeing their mistakes. Because I'm sure that they were, I mean, I just because I was a fan and complaining about it, you have ref complaints year <laughs> in, year out. Um you know, I just think we have more access to seeing the replay and seeing just how wrong some of this is. I will say, you know, with that said, the the Harden dunk not counting is a, like, how do you not count a made dunk, right? And I, I know that that certainly shouldn't have lost in the game and da da da, da and I'm going to get people firing at me on Twitter for about, like, oh, they were up by so many points. It doesn't, I'm like, but they... The game went to overtime and you didn't count two points. So exactly. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, anybody um, who wants to come at you for that one, they got to go back and watch the game, man. Because literally, the whole thing the changes. Score two more points. So <laughs> yeah. The anyway, I I just like I get that those are valid complaints on this season. They just don't make it stick out to me because the truth is those happen most seasons. Um, you know, Zion Williamson got hurt and had to relearn how to walk and missed a chunk of, se- of games to start the season and would have been on prime time. They scheduled the games assuming he was going to play. He didn't do drugs and overdose and die like Len Bias did, though, right? Like, a guy with a lot of hype just like that, Len Bias didn't play any NBA games. He, didn't, he, he passed away, right? And so Zion did get to play. We got to see him hit four threes in a row, right? We got, we got to see those kinds of moments, even in an abbreviated Zion Williamson stint. Um, we, you know, Steph Curry getting hurt stinks, but I would have argued that they shouldn't have had the Warriors games with just Steph and Draymond on prime time anyway. I, I, you know, I, I guess it's the late night game because of the Warriors or whatever. But I just don't know that that was great telev- television and t- TV timing when you got the Lakers and Clippers as other West Coast options. Um, I, I really do think that on the floor product has been really strong this year. Um, sure, the Sixers are a dud, but the Heat start off the year as good as anyone, you know, and. And it's more about who you're trying to find to watch, and you have access to watch all of them in 2020 as well. That I I don't know I, I don't I don't think you can badmouth the on the floor stuff to the degree that it hurts the year as a whole. But the the thesis doesn't really have anything in it that says on the floor, off the floor, or all cumulatively, or it outweighs this or whatever, right? I mean that's not in it. So well, I will say this as well because I just to go back to a point that you made. It does make sense that regardless of what you anticipated Golden State to be, that you would put Steph's games in prime time or as close to prime time as you can be in the West Coast game. It gives you the, like you said, it gives you the third option with the Clippers and the Lakers because he's Steph Curry because Golden State is Golden State. And they did sign D'Angelo Russell. So there could have been this basically three-headed monster where you have two guards in the backcourt who are pretty good players and then you have Draymond Green who is the linchpin that holds it all together. The Golden State won a championship with that formula. So to have them on makes sense. And so to then 
have Steph get injured. You're you're correct in that injuries happen every year. What I would argue is that the level of stars who collectively were injured this year feels like an outlier. And that takes into account Zion Williamson, even though we didn't know what he was going to be necessarily. We were basically assuming that he would come in and be electric because everything pointed to him coming in and being electric. And it ended up being confirmed that he was an electric player. And it would have been awesome to have seen him and John Morant going back and forth maybe for rookie of the year. It looks like Jaws probably going to lock that up just because at the best case scenario, if the season they conclude, they play all the games, I think Zion ends up being able to play 37 games or something to that effect. So it feels like Ja probably ends up locking that up. Uh, but I would say that the collection of injuries, even coming from the offseason into this season, as well as injuries that happened this season, uh, feel different than some other seasons. Last year with LeBron being hurt, it was really just LeBron and the Lakers that ended up being impacted, right? It didn't feel like well, there were some other guys who were also injured that had as dramatic an impact. But you had LeBron being hurt. You had Davis sitting out games that didn't want to play in New Orleans anymore. You had, I mean, I, part of the reason Harden has so many points last year is because their entire starting lineup was decimated at different points of the year. And so he's got to score 50 for them to have a chance. You had Kyrie Irving and his stuff last year where he was hurt, but he didn't really want to play for Boston anyway and, and stuff like that. Like, I, I, I don't want to pinpoint injuries as, like, a reason this year is so bad just because, like, well, this guy named Steph Curry is one of the injuries. Like, I, like, there are injuries that are bad that hurt the product on the floor to some degree every year, and that seems more like the sunk cost there of sorts is a lot higher to me than the, like, on-the-floor production because there are so many good competitive high-scoring games with lots of talent i think that outweighs it to me by like a lot i guess i won't disagree but what i will say is that the injuries and the situations you're bringing up still feel lesser as compared to this year so when you tell me that ad sat out games where are the pelicans going to be with anthony davis anyway so like it's not like kyrie irving missing games with brooklyn brooklyn was a playoff team kyrie irving was the addition and then he misses games now if you want to say that the kyrie irving uh Celtics thing is comparable like Kyrie with Brooklyn versus Kyrie with Boston what I would then also argue is that Kyrie played a way more games with the Celtics and they were definitively worse when he was on the floor as compared to when they didn't have him the year before like the year before actually feels like if you want to talk about injuries where Boston right. ends up losing Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving and then they have to figure that out like those injuries feel a lot more dramatic than the situations that you're bringing up uh, for last season, the one, the one the exception season, is LeBron. LeBron being well, hurt feels like, oh my gosh, what is the league going to do when that guy is not available for the playoffs and the Lakers which aren't even able the to biggest do what... injury. I would say you're not even bringing up the biggest injury last year is the way the Warriors get injured in the finals. You know, you have Kevin Durant in and out of the playoffs with his thing, and then he finally tears his Achilles in the finals, and you've got Clay Thompson in the finals going down the torn ACL. I'm not sure that if Klay Thompson stays healthy, even with Durant out, that doesn't change what the finals is. And that's just last season. We could we can keep going back and do a lot more research on this. I mean, go through every season with injury question marks. I mean, you could go to the first time the Warriors went at all, and they didn't play any one starting point guard because every starting point guard they played against was hurt. You know, and I I don't know that I'm ready to just like sit here and be like, well, this year's on the floor product sucks because there's been a handful of in injuries like. I guess I'm not going to disagree with that sentiment. What I will say is that the on the floor has been impacted by injuries. 
And even based on what you're saying, I think that you would agree because every year injuries impact what happens on the floor. For me, that's one part of why this season is the worst because it's all the off the floor as well that has to be taken into account. The fact that we're not seeing basketball for the next, at least, I believe that uh, Adam Silver said that when he postponed, it was going to be at least 30 days. So we're going to go at least a month without basketball. I mean, that obviously plays into it as well. Uh, What I did want to ask you though, Parker, is if you give the thesis statement a C minus, is it solely because you feel the thesis statement isn't specific enough or is there a season that you feel like you could point to that maybe is comparable? I think it's because if you ask me in 20 years, was the 1920 or the 2019, 2020 NBA season, the worst in NBA history, you know, I don't know that it will be sticking the part that sticks in my head will be that the basketball was horrible or anything like that. And I tend to think like when you talk about the 99 season, yeah, the lockout, I think about the low-scoring, brute basketball. When you talk about 1986, I think about, you know, the Celtic team. And, and, and the, again, think about the actual basketball. It's not this, It's not to my second and third thought that I get to off-the-floor stuff when I think back on basketball history by year, when I'm looking at seasons. Um, and so without the qualifier of any kind, we are talking about off-the-floor I don't know that we will look back at this as the season that all of those things happened. And as our first thought, this this virus thing is different. And we're at the beginning of it, so it may feel different in 20 years because of the way it's postponing games. Um, they're canceling games, too, I guess. the it, it just it's different to me without any qualifier of sorts. Because, like, you know, Wilt Chamberlain died as well in one basketball season. And... Or during and like we don't look back and think about that as like remember the year Wilt died it's like oh that was a tragic event we don't necessarily tie it to the NBA season as much right like other NBA legends and greats have passed away as tragic as Kobe's incident was and as you know unexpected as the hospitalization that led to David Stern's passing was those things kinds of things have happened in basketball history and we don't tend to be like that's tied to that season right like I, do you do that with other past instances in NBA history or I guess I I would if I was looking back to decide if a season was the worst ever. Like, that's the thing. It's the confluence. What's Levy Snicket and the series of unfortunate events? That's what this season is. It's a series of unfortunate events (laughs) from Daryl Morey through COVID-19. And if you start looking at all the individual unfortunate events that are in there, that the collection of those is what makes this season incredibly tragic and and just bad in my mind and so there's no one event it's all of it put together and so that's what you're doing is exactly what I try to do when I look back at other seasons like I look back at different events and I was like okay when this hit in this season what it does that make it worse in 2020 and the problem was is that you would have maybe all of these different events that felt similar in some way shape or form but you didn't have it all in one season you didn't have the China stuff, the rating stuff, the injury stuff, Kobe, David Stern, and COVID-19 to go along with the refs and James Dolan all in any one season. <laughs> well, and so the fact that James it's all Dolan one year is like, well, I mean, the I, James Dolan thing to me is I, the NBA was in the news for a week because James Dolan is an idiot. 
And that yeah. that's negative press all over the place. I mean, we literally did a whole podcast about whether or not the man should lose his job. So obviously yeah. it had an impact amongst basketball fans. So I don't want to leave that out either because it did have tremendous impact. And it was part of the media cycle for a week. I mean, Spike Lee is well, Spike and, Lee. And I will want to you know reiterate, we did a whole podcast last week. You should check it out on should James Dolan be fired or not for his actions. You both said that he should not be fired and that he is one of the reasons this is one of the worst seasons in NBA history. So I want to make sure we get that on record that I <laughs> I have questions there, Chuck. No, but my, I mean, we could go back to that pod. Everyone check out the pod where I obliterate Parker in terms of that argument. It'll be awesome for you guys. <laughs> <to check. laughs> All right, Parker. So it's that time of the show where we take attendance. So we talk about folks that we had some interactions with in our Twitter account at FN Sports 2. So, hey, Parker. Let's take attendance. Who did you interact with this week? Uh, with the FN Sports account, I wanted to uh, shout out to Sam Acho for his participation. Uh, Sam Acho is an NFL defensive lineman. He was tweeting out his thoughts on why the CBA was a good deal for 99% of players. And just, you know, he was you know didn't want to get the top 1% to drown him out. And so we shouted him out from the FN Sports account um, at FN Sports 2 on Twitter. And he responded back. It's actually ironic because we, you know, we both, I currently and you used to both teach in the SBC conference, the high school uh, Southwest Preparatory Athletic Conference. And uh, he is an SBC athlete. He played in the conference. Uh, he's a really good SBC athlete, I might say. Yeah, I mean, he's um, a <laughs> And so, uh, anyway, he, nice little back and forth. Shout out to SBC. So, way to go, Sam Acho. Absolutely. So, um, I had an interaction. So on Saturday, there was uh, UFC 248. And in that UFC pay-per-view, there was probably the greatest women's championship fight ever. Where, um, Joe, if if you don't know anything about the fight, the fight isn't, it's incredible. But what you need to go see, you need to Google uh, Joanna Janjacek, who is uh, the combatant in the fight. And I kid you not, if you see a picture of her before the fight and then you see a picture of her after the fight, you would be hard-pressed to believe that it was the same person. She basically decided... I, I did see this. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. her strategy was to block punches with her face. And she got a hematoma Boy. on her forehead that is incredible. I mean, it is, it's, again... If you have not done this, you need to look at pictures of her beforehand and look at pictures of her after. So shout out to uh, Sarah Eliza. The uh, Twitter handle is at NeedySTXR. We were just talking about, number one, how great the fight was. But the fact that if you do the before and after, you'd be hard-pressed to believe that that was the same person. And so I just tweeted that um, at uh, NeedySTXR. And she responded back by saying, like, dude, for real, she looks effed up. Like, I mean, it is ridiculous. Uh, hey, Parker, what do you got next? Uh, I also interacted some with Ra- at Raptors HQ, which is the Raptors sports uh, SB Nation uh, blog site of sorts. Um, basically, they were pushing the information that the Raptors told their players they were supposed to go into self-isolation for 14 days before coming back to any sort of a practice or anything. And they were the first team to be, you know, publish publishing those kinds of details. And so basically, we talked through like, what does that mean as far as an estimate? I mean, if they're not going to practice for two weeks, you know, what does that seem like a rough estimate as far as when things can start getting back to normal? 
because when you have practice, you'd assume you have a week or two before you have games, and that actually ends up tying in pretty closely with the uh, Adam Silver timeline of 30 days or whatever, and seeing where we're at. Um, I don't know that that's actually still the timeline based on what is going on in Toronto and, and those kinds of things, but interaction back and forth, trying to both of us trying to read between the lines there. So shout out to Raptors HQ. Uh, so I had another interaction with uh, another podcast, so NBA One Hoops. Uh, the Twitter handle is at NBA One Hoops. Uh, it, check out their pod. It's pretty good content. If you are into kind of quick-hitting uh, NBA stuff, the pod's normally about 20 to 30 minutes, and it's pretty good stuff. I had interaction with with the pod because uh, they posted a picture, and it's literally a sneaker vending machine, and it's got all these kicks in it. And – He's just asking, like, based on the, what's in the vending machine, W or L. Like, do you like what's in here? Or do you not like what's in here? <laughs> and so there's a pair. I mean, it looks like it might be the Space Jam 11s, but it's just, it's all black. Jordan 11s. Oh, the, the Gammas. I know you're talking about. So, and I just saw those. I was like, those are fire. I was like, uh, if you could get me those in a 10 and a half, just, I'd appreciate it. And uh, so we, we just had a quick back and forth because there's all kinds of stuff that's in here, but those are the ones that stood out for me, which led me. So uh, shout out NBA One Hoops. Definitely check out his pod. But it led me it led me to this direction, Parker. You are maybe the biggest sneakerhead I know. You got one pair, one pair of kicks. Oh, what's 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 the pair? <laughs> like what's so I, I let me I'll tell you, what, I'll start and I'll, and I'll give you a little bit of a story. So for me. It's it always comes back to the Carolina blue elevens, the one the ones that are mostly white with the little hints of Carolina blue in them. And yeah. the reason why is because that was a team shoe for me in high school. So I remember when we got those, we were the drippiest team any gym Jesus. we walked into. Because we walked in yeah. with those on and people were like, Oh my god. And we were like, Yeah, we know. And we were actually <laughs> and we were pretty decent that year. Eventually we were great in our district. Eventually you get out of our district, and that's where we always struggle because there's a lot of uh talent in basketball in high school at that time. But those are always the sneakers that I always come back to is the the uh they are basically all white with the hints of Carolina blue elevens. So one shoe, Parker. What's the one shoe that maybe it's nostalgia reasons, maybe it's just because you like the shoe. What's the one that you come back to? Well, if if I'm thinking of one that I own, I really like uh, ones, Jordan ones, Jordan threes, Jordan elevens. Um, I try to say save the elevens for like special occasion kind of things. Um, I like fours as well as threes and fours a lot. I like the black cement threes. They kind of go with everything. They're black with like a little bit of the elephant print and a little bit of red. If I'm thinking of one that I've owned or that I have owned, um, the one like the Grail that I cannot get because I just don't want to fork over the 500 bucks on StockX for it <laughs> is the Travis Scott Fords. Like Travis Scott's done his own Jordan or Nike every six months or so. He has the ones, he has the one lows. He just made the dunks or whatever. The dunks are sweet. the The fours are like oiler colors. They're like solid bright blue with hints of red and, and it, like. As a Houston guy, there's some of that that I want, and it, the fours are sweet and they're super comfy. And there's all anyway. That's one I'm never gonna get my hands on. I don't think, but those are sweet, sweet kicks. Um, Maybe if you're I, really good this year, Santa will bring them for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say you guys wore the the Elevens in basketball. It makes me feel like super lame. We wore pro models. Like you remember the old Adidas pro models? That's what we had to walk around in. We walk in the gym. We're staring at y'all's shoes. Like oh man. 
we got these stupid Adidas promos on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My last class participation is actually starts off with interacting with uh, at PT Nick's blog, which is posting and toasting. It's the Nick's explanation page. And they said in honor of his career night, uh, Frank Linka had a, you know, a big career high or whatever. Uh, Drop your best pick of Frank's fit down below. And I said, this sounds like a job for at Ian Pierno. Ian Pierno runs the League Fits account for Slam on uh, both on Instagram and Twitter. And he responded fairly quickly with a picture that said the French slash Fresh Prince. And it's him wa- and it's <laughs> Frank walking in with a Fresh Prince t-shirt on. And I was like, oh, no, he looks pretty fresh. Like, that's legit. Um, and so, anyway, I, honestly, the way he responded so quickly, I was like, oh, he he really, like, had this off the top of his head. Like, he knew exactly where he was going. <laughs> he was waiting um, for Frank Tilakina to have his career day <laughs> so he could bring that picture back. <laughs> yeah. And so, that anyway, that was, that was a fun interaction. Awesome. Um, you know what? We're going to go off script a little bit because I got one more. I did interact with uh, – so – we are a Belly Up Sports Pod, and uh, I did have an interaction with a Belly Up podcast, uh, Puck Puck Pass. They're a hockey podcast, and I felt bad because the day after the NBA decided that they were going to postpone their season, the NHL announced that they were going to postpone theirs, and we did have a bit of a commiseration <laughs> where uh, basically the sports that we're kind of watching this time of year both kind of went out at the same time. So shout out Puck Puck Pass. Uh, I feel bad for you guys as well. Uh, Parker, we did have a poll this week. You want to talk to us a little bit about the poll? <laughs> I want to say that I put up this poll actually like before we knew that Rudy Gobert had coronavirus because now this might seem a little bit uh, not not, not nice. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I saw back-to-back tweets, one from the Utah Jazz and one from Eric Walden, um, who writes for the Utah Jazz. And Eric Walden tweeted that you know, shoot around for them had been where the players had to stand, uh, the players were a certain amount of feet away from the media, and it outlines that Rudy Gobert finishes discussing the situation, stands up, and leans over and made a point, made a point to touch every mic and recorder in front of him, and then screenshotted next to that is the Jazz tweet where he is listed on the injury report as questionable with an illness, <laughs> and my, the poll was: Is Rudy Gobert on the all-time hashtag Shackton list now? Um, and we were at 94% said yes, only 6% said no. I have to admit, though, I really did put that poll up before we knew he had COVID-19, and now it feels a little insensitive, but clearly it got some response, so good for you. <laughs> good for uh, you, Rudy. You You're know, on the all-time list. And we'll give Rudy a shout-out as well. I mean, he did say he'll donate half a million dollars to both American and French charities that are associated with uh, helping out folks in terms of this uh, corona pandemic. So even though he probably does deserve to be on the all-time shacked in a full list because of how careless he was, I think that he understood that he kind of messed up and he's trying to make amends. So uh, as as yeah, much yeah. as you can, shout out to Rudy, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as much as I can. I, it, it was a dumb, The deal is he didn't get it from touching those recorders. It's just a bad look to have those two tweets in my timeline fairly close in proximity. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was... That was that. And then one of these days we'll do the podcast where Parker tells you how much he hates the Stifle Tower. That episode's coming later. <laughs> <laughs> without, without, you know, without NBA games for a while, it's only growing. That <laughs> the hate is only growing by the day. So, all right. So that's what we have this week for F in Sports. We had a pretty good thesis statement this week. 
about whether or not this is the worst season in NBA history. Had a couple of uh, grades there with some good arguments behind it. We had great participation this week in the Twitter account. So please continue that class participation because we take attendance and we love it when you guys are present. Parker, you want to go ahead and give out your socials? Yeah, uh, if you want to interact with us on Twitter, you can find both of us at FNSports2. That's at F-I-N Sports, the number two on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at P Ainsworth 512 That's at Painsworth512 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I respond to Twitter pretty regularly, and as two teachers that are going to be teaching remotely for the next few weeks, I may be responding really quickly. So feel free to find <laughs> us and ask us whatever you questions you got about sports or if you think we're easy or hard graders or if you've got suggestions, comments, whatever you got, let us know. Absolutely. We're also on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. So you can check us out there. My uh, Twitter is at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. That's also my Insta. Again, when your name is Shaka Cummings, you don't need to add numbers to the end. So you can, <laughs> you can find me there and please interact, ask us questions. Let us know what you think of the pod. Uh, if you have questions about uh, digital learning for your students, save that for some other teacher because we're not responding to those this week. We'll have enough trouble kind of managing <laughs> that for ourselves. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, hey, I think folks have a lot of time, so you can go back and check the catalog of episodes for FS Sports as well. You can check out all Completely. of the different thesis statements that we've had up until this point. Thank you guys for listening. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't funk with us. Later, guys. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.